few days ago, I was pumping gas into my car, enjoying these current gas prices. Can I get a witness? <clears throat> Becky came home bragging yesterday about how little it cost her to have to fill up her car. That was a great thing. Well, I had this enthusiastic fellow next to me, and um, he was also pumping gas, and he struck up a conversation about the low gas prices and how he was using the extra money to buy lottery tickets. <laughs> and at the risk of throwing a wet blanket on his hopes, you know, I said something like, you know, I was just trying to be a blessing. I said something like, why would you waste your money on that? You're betting on six numbers? Really? And... Uh, Dude, you work hard to earn your money. You get up every day and you go to work and you work. You're not going to win. You know, again, I'm just trying to be a blessing to him. <laughs> you know, and you work hard for it and you're just going to throw it away on a lottery ticket. He said, yeah, he said, I know, I know, I know, but you never know. <clears throat> well, the conversation pretty much came to an end when I came out with a statement like this. I said, why would you take a chance when you can have a rock-solid promise? You know what I love about Christianity? One of the many things I love about Christianity is this. Christianity takes the lottery out of life. Once you become a Christian, it's no longer about chance. It's about God moving in your life, directing your steps, and ordering your steps. How many say amen to that today? There's no more chance when you become a Christian, it's, it's, there's something that God does that makes his promises rock solid. We sang today, for I know, I know, I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Why, why gamble when you have the rock solid promise of tithing? Note to self, if you want it to get quiet... Now, the offering's over with, folks, so I can speak freely, okay? Why would you gamble when you have the promise and the word of God that the Lord says, here's what will happen if you are faithful in tithing, if you're faithful in giving? The answer to gambling and betting on three numbers or six numbers is when God says a better place to put your money is in tithing, giving to the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen for that today? To me, there are rock-solid promises when you begin to do that. And we're going to look at a certain rock-solid promise today that I hope you will be encouraged by. I know I have been today as we go into this first Sunday of 2015. And hopefully, you're going to find that this promise takes the lottery out of life and puts in God's promises there. How many know we need God's promises? Aren't you glad they are yes and amen to those who believe? You can count on them. They're rock solid. Because let's face it, even though we are uh, joyful and, and anticipating good days in 2015, here's what we know is true. There's also going to be some difficult and challenging days in this year. Yes, there will be moments and days of laughter and days of joy, and we're thankful for that. But there will no doubt also be days of tears. There will be hours of tears that you will spend. That's just the rhythm of life. Well, I want to give you... Uh, one of the promises this morning that I know you know extremely well, and I'm going to take it and kind of pull it apart. It's just one verse we're going to look at today from the book of Romans. If you want to go there to chapter 8, 
you know this verse so very, very well. We're gonna, I'm actually, it's divided into three sections in my mind. I don't know how well I will articulate that with you, but you'll maybe catch that as we go. And we're going to look at this promise because this is a promise. Listen to me, church. This is a promise that we have in God that will hit every one of life's issues that you're going to face in 2015. I can stand here with assurance today and tell you there is nothing that you have walked into this place today, there's nothing that you're going to face in 2015 that this promise is not good for. Every trial that you're going to hit, everything that's going to happen, it is a verse that literally covers everything and anything that you could ever go through. It literally, it ought to be on the list of verses that you maintain at the center and the core of your being. And I want us as a church to know that this is a, a rock-solid promise. It literally covers everything. Finances, it covers it. Job loss, it covers it. Relationship breakup, covers it all. In fact, it's, it's so far-reaching as I look into it and, and come back to it from time to time through my own course of studying and reading of the Word, I almost get upset with myself that I don't lean on it even more, that I don't take advantage of it even more because it's, it's so all-inclusive. It's in the book of Romans, and if you will go there for just a minute, we're going to look at it as we go into this new year, and then at the end of the service today, we will not dismiss the service until we've had a chance to pray for the business people that are a part of Bethesda. We can just ask God's favor and blessing upon you and your work as you go into this year. The verse that holds this promise simply says this. If you'll put it up on the screen, let's, I want us to read it together. It's from Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those. Okay, <clears throat> you're going to have to do better than that. I don't know why it is, it's just natural for us that we sort of default in a situation like that to kind of giving about 20% effort. Last week when Pastor Brent was gone, it fell my lot to conduct the choir and bless their hearts, there was a few folks that have joined the choir since, uh, since I've been the pastor, and they were not expecting the shock of when Pastor Dan directed the choir. And so in the, in the choir rehearsal room ahead of time, I said, for those of you who've, who've not done this for it, let me just tell you, you're probably going to get a look. And that look says this, you sing or I'll kill you. <laughs> you better bring it, bring it, bring it. That's what that's all about. I just not much into this half-hearted effort. And I think it ought to also be true when we read the word of the Lord. So I'm going to give you a second chance here. That's it. You only get two. Second chance. We're going to read this. I want you to read it with passion. I want you to read it like you believe it. I want you to read it like you stand upon it every day. Let's go. And Now, that ought to be the starting place for us every time. Let's remember that from now on, all right? There's nothing like this promise. There's no lottery in this promise. It's a promise that God puts right within your grasp today. It's right there for you, no matter what you are facing today. No matter what you're going to go through in 2015, this is right within your reach we have this promise that is arguably one of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible. And as you and I go into 2015, we better learn how to latch onto it because we're going to need it. And let me say this. If you've never memorized a verse, 
whether, for whatever reason, if you've never memorized a verse, this is a great one for you to memorize. This is one that ought to be the very, one of the very first ones that you memorize. And let it be written on the walls of your heart. Let it be etched on the walls of your heart. I came across something that Charles Spurgeon said that I found so interesting that supports this idea. And it said, he said this, could you ask, he's referencing this Romans 8, 28 that we've just read. Could you ask for a better promise? It is better that all things should work together for my good than that all things should be as I want them to be. Ouch. Can I get an ouch in the room? Let me, let me just read that again just in case you went to sleep or you were texting somebody in that moment, all right? It is better that all things should work together for my good than that all things should be as I would want them to be. He went on to say, all things might work together for my pleasure, yet it might be for my ruin. And though all things may not please me, all things will benefit me because God is on my side. That ought to deserve a hallelujah this morning. It's the great promise that God gives us in this verse also. Zach DeGrote is one of the fine young staff members that we have. He's on the staff of Bethesda School of Ministry. And because he works here every day and is part of the staff, he attends regularly our Monday morning staff devotion time. And he and his wife Annie have a gorgeous little two-year-old son. I think he'll be two next month named Henry. If you want to see a beautiful head of hair on a child, it, it's, he's stunning. He's a gorgeous little boy. Well, Zach came into a Monday morning devotion meeting recently talking about something that had just happened that morning at home uh, with little Henry. And I don't, while I don't remember the details of how it got to this point, here's, here's what I got out of it. That somehow little Henry spotted his daddy's pocket knife. And he was fascinated with it, and he got his hands on it. Now, he was never in any danger, so you can relax about that. His dad was nearby. But he got his hands on his dad's pocket knife, not quite two years old. So nevertheless, Zach was endeavoring to diplomatically, hello, take the knife from his two-year-old son, though it was, shall we say, causing a bit of an unpleasant reaction from the little boy. Imagine that. Imagine a little boy wanting to play with a pocket knife. A natural fascination. Doesn't really know what it is doesn't really know what it can do, but he wants it. Do I need to draw the parallel for you this morning? Hello, are you awake today? A natural fascination. He doesn't really know what it is. He doesn't really know what it can do, but he knows that he wants it. Well, so when his dad has taken the knife away, little Henry made it pretty clear to his dad somehow that it was not pleasing to him that his dad was taking the knife away and he would prefer to keep it. Which is a very nice way of saying if he's a normal little two-year-old, he probably pitched a screaming fit. How many of you have ever seen one of those? Four of you, okay. I'll be praying for liars at the end of the service. But guess what? His father knew what was good for him. And it was not good for a two-year-old little boy to have a pocket knife in his hand. And so screaming fit or no screaming fit, 
The little boy's father had to remove the pocket knife in order to make things work together for good for him. Spurgeon said, and I repeat, all things might work together for my pleasure, yet it might be for my ruin. And though all things may not please me, all things will benefit me because God is on my side. And what Spurgeon said is just a wonderful reinforcement of what the Apostle Paul has given us in our verse this morning where he said, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I love this promise. Don't you love this promise? Don't you get upset with yourself like I do with, with myself that I don't even think about it more often? We know it's true and we know it's there. There is not a better promise in the Bible that can literally meet every situation. A bad doctor's report, got it covered. Sickness, there it is. Financial difficulties, it's got it covered. Death of a child, yes. Divorce, yes. Singleness, yes. Divorce, aloneness, yes. It's all covered. This promise meets every single one of them. Everything is covered in this. You name the situation, whatever it is that you've brought in here. And I know your situation is special and different. We all feel that way. Whatever it is that you would name, I can quote this verse for you. You can walk in and say, Pastor, I'm alone. I can say, God works all things together for good to those who. I lost my job. He can work all things together. I have been betrayed by a dear and close friend. God can work all things together for good to those that love God. I'm having difficulty with my grown children. God can work all things together for good to those that love God. Name anything. And this verse covers it. You may not know her name, though I have spoken of her often, and I've referenced this great lady many times, and we sing her songs, and we have for many years. Probably one of the most prolific hymn writers <clears throat> of church history, and I'm speaking of none other than, of course, Fanny Crosby. You may not have even known her name or have known what songs she has written, but it's possible you've sung songs like, Draw Me Nearer, He Hideth My Soul. My Savior, first of all, pass me not, O oh gentle Savior. Blessed assurance. How many of you have sung any of those songs ever? Let me see your hand. <clears throat> well, if you know anything about her story, you know that she was blind. Not blind from birth. Excuse me, one second. Not blind from birth. But she was caused to be blind because of a malpractice situation that took place when she was six weeks old. A doctor mistreated Fanny Crosby and caused blindness to this little girl. And for the rest of her life, for the rest of her days, Fanny Crosby was blind. But yet she was the one who was to pen more than 800 songs and hymns. And in spite of her blindness and the malpractice situation that caused it, here's what Fanny Crosby said. She said, the poor doctor who spoiled my eyes disappeared from our neighborhood, never to be seen again or heard from again. But if I could talk to him, I would tell him he did the greatest favor to me in all the world. She said, I've heard that the physician never ceased expressing his regret for what had taken place to my eyes. and It was one of the great sorrows of his life. But if I could meet him now, I would say thank you Thank you. Thank you a thousand times. 
Because he made me blind, I started to memorize the scriptures. And because I memorized the scriptures, I started to love Jesus more. And when I loved Jesus more, I couldn't stop the wellspring of songs that were deep within my soul. Blindness could not stop them. Blindness literally enhanced what was happening inside of me and my love for him. She said, I didn't need a malpractice lawsuit. I just needed to trust God that he could work out all things together for good for those who love God. But here's the truth for most of us. What we sometimes do is look at a malpractice opportunity. We slip and fall or someone does something and immediately we want to take them to court. Listen to me carefully. Instead of God building something inside of us, instead of being seriously committed to the word of the Lord and believing God's word in Romans 8, 28, we're ready to sue somebody. And here's the deal. We think, we think when something bad happens to us, we think cash. We think opportunity. We think finances. And we find ourselves getting a check but miss being conformed to the image of Christ. We have to understand how important this is. And what he is wanting us to do is to not think, I've been hurt so let me cash in on this, but rather, God, do something. With these circumstances that seem so diabolical, that seem so wrong, I still believe the truth of your word, that verse that is still within my grasp, that you will take all things and work them together for good because I love you. As a result of a physician error, Fanny Crosby is left blind. But instead of getting cash, she gets over 800 hymns to write for the glory of God and for the edification of his church. Church, All things work together for good to those that love God. Can you say amen to that today? I'm going to pick it apart for just a second. The verse actually says, and we know. That's how it starts. And we know. You know what, church? Some of you may feel like you're lacking in confidence. Brent, is this mic going on off and on here or just in my ear? in my ear and we know I love this part I love the fact that the Holy Spirit starts this verse with those three words and we know it gives us a confidence and a certainty and an assurance about what God will do the Holy Spirit could have when giving direction to those writing Holy Scripture he could have left off those first words and simply said God works all things together for good but he doesn't. And I think it's critical. Every word is critical. He leaves it in there, those three words, and he specifically says it that way so that we can respond with the confidence that says this, I know that it's true. I may have every reason to doubt it today. I may have every reason to think otherwise. The enemy may be beating up on me and causing me to see the glass half empty instead of half full. I may not have any natural reason to think that I'm going to get through this. But the scripture, the word of the Lord says, and I know I have an assurance, I have certainty that God is going to work things together for good. He says, I didn't just tell you what God can do, but I'm going to give you a confidence that no matter what you faced, 
but he was saying that you have an, a, this assurance inside of you. Because for the Christian, I want you to remember this today. I know you know it, but remember it. Refresh it in your mind today. Rehearse it again in your mind today. For the Christian, there is always a bright side to everything. Oh, that was the weakest amen you've given me all year. For the Christian, there is always a bright side to everything. If nothing else, dear one, you have Jesus on your side. And that ought to be enough reason to say, that may be all I've got today, but it's all I need. He's going to see me through this. It's like what C.S. Lewis said. He said that Christianity is actually like a true fairy tale. That God really does work things out in the end. God really does work on our behalf. He really is working to see the miracles take place in us. And the key to what Paul said is this. We know and we know. Don't skip over those first three words. And we know because it gives you the assurance that you need. When you wake up on that day and the sun is not shining and everything seems to be against you, you still can stand on the word of God and say, but I know this is true. Bad doctor's report, yes, but I know. Broken relationship, but I know. Sickness, financial loss, job loss, but I know. This is what I know. Because with Jesus, there's always a bright side. And you can say that over and over and over again with assurance that, that you know he's working all things together for good. You don't know how it's going to happen. I can't answer how it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen, when he's going to work things together. You don't know what's going to happen. But you know this, you know you can stand there as a believer in Jesus and say, I know that he will do it. And more importantly, I know that he's able to do it. God is able. Come on, give the Lord praise today. <clears throat> this is also true. It may not be on my time schedule. It may not be on my calendar. But God, I'm going to stand on the truth of your word that says, I know that you can do it. I just have to get out of the way so that you can do it. Maybe I won't go down that path. I'd like to, but I won't. <clears throat> so many of you were wonderfully gracious to Becky and I through the holiday season. Lovely gifts, and we thank you for all of them. One of the things that we get <clears throat> is gift cards. And people who know my favorite little places, which, you know, I'm not a fancy eater. Give me a good old hamburger joint, and I'm a happy camper. Becky is, to her chagrin, that's always true. But... Um, People know they'll give us gift cards to our favorite places to eat, and sometimes it's, you know, much nicer places than <clears throat> where I would typically go on a day-to-day -day basis. But I love those gift cards. Because you know what? I've already cashed in a few of them. I'm going to tell you already. Just got them at Christmas time. Hallelujah. Pull up to my favorite little hamburger joint. Pull that thing out. Say, this is paid for, baby. I just had a crazy thought using a gift card the other day. What if? What if? Romans 8.28 was a voucher coupon that you had that you could pull out of the Bible for anything that you go through. What if this last Christmas, just a few days ago, somebody gave you a gift card and on it said Romans 8.28 that you could have for all of 2015 for every difficult thing that you go through. I lost my dad in 2000, he passed away, 
was a difficult thing. As you know, you've heard me say, my dad was a fine pastor, a loving father, and honestly, a confidant and a friend in ministry. He got into his 70s and his health began to fail him. <clears throat> and though I'm thankful that he's no longer suffering in, this er- in his earthly body, it was nevertheless a painful thing to lose him. And I know many of you, even in this year, this past year of 2014, or the last couple of years, you've lost a close, close loved one, and you know what that feels like. And it's so human of us to ask all the why questions. I've asked them. You've asked them. We, we, we ask all the why questions. But what if in the Bible you had this coupon ticket that said you can use this. Here's, here, here's your coupon ticket. You get one of these. You can use this on the hardest day of your life. Think of the most difficult day that you walked through in 2014. Some of you walked some pretty tough ones. What if you had had this coupon, this gift card that you could have pulled out, slapped that thing down, cashed it in on that day? No matter how difficult the season was, whether it was betrayal, someone that gave you words that cut to your soul, maybe even a family member, a child, a parent that said things that absolutely they were using the strongest weapon they could use to hurt you. What if that What if someone turned against you that you truly loved? Or what if a death of a child, as we mentioned? Or a husband who says he loves you, but he commits adultery? What if, I'm talking the real stuff of life. What if if you could pull out of this, your Bible, this sticker, this coupon, Romans 8, 28, and you say to God, God, here it is. I'm cashing it in today. I need this to be true today. That you will work out everything, every detail of this for good in this situation. I'm cashing it in and I'm claiming this over the worst situation of my life and you have this one sticker to do it. Church, here's the amazing thing. And this ought to be reason for you, for your spirit just to leap within you today. Here's the amazing thing. You don't have a sticker for one situation. You've got a gift card in your hand for every situation that you're going to go through in 2015 and the rest of your life. You've got a redemption coupon that you can take and cash it in. I may go to my hamburger joint and say, here, all paid for. I've got it. That's what you have with the promise of God because you know. You know what the Word says. You may even be a person who fights doubt that comes easily and natural to you. To be a person who's cynical or, or skeptical is the word I should use. You're skeptical. You may be a person of doubt. That's, I know some people really, really fight that. But you know what? By the power of the Holy Ghost that lives within you, if you are a believer, you can still stand on the truth of God and say, but I know He's going to work all things for good. Blessed be the Lord. You pull out that coupon, you pull out that gift card, and God says, I'm there. I've already done it. I'm working on it. It's a promise that he's given to us, that we know he's working everything out, and we know it because God said it, and God cannot lie. We know he's working together every detail. How amazing is that? For we know. Let's talk about this word good. He works all things together for our 
we got to understand this, church. God's good may not be your good. God's good may not be your good. We try to script the situation. Oh, I, I do. I'm great at writing the script of how it ought to go. I got the plan for me, you, 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 and everybody else. Some of you have just a little bit of that in you as well. I've seen it. We know how it ought to happen according to us. We've already figured it out. But God's good may not be our good. And sometimes, because we have scripted it out already, we've played, got it all written out right here. I can tell you every detail. We get in the way of the situation. We're trying to work for God and make sure God understands this is, this is the way I want this to happen. This is the person. This is the job. This is the house or the apartment. And so we start to kick open doors. And then we sometimes try to let people know we're available. Some of you ladies may be saying, I need a husband. And so for worship, hallelujah. I love you, Lord. You're worthy. Look over here, look over here, look over here. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. <laughs> yes. I know people who've done that. <laughs> and we try to help God, don't we? We try to help God and God goes, could you just stay out of the way and let me do what I do? You don't need to help me, God's trying to tell you. You're on ground that doesn't belong to you. You see, the part that gets me, with God, there's always a mystery. Always a mystery. The part that gets me, I know, I know why God works things for our good. Because God is good. That's why he does these things. Why he works all things together. The Bible, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, you are good and you always do good. It's the, it's the character of God. God can't help but do good. That's who he is. That's how he helps us. I get the why. I don't get the how. That's the problem I struggle with. I keep wanting to know, so, so God, <clears throat> how are you going to do this? I, if you could go ahead and show me all of it. I understand why, but the how, <laughs> I need a little help with here today. How do you take the worst scenario of my life and work it out for good? How, how are you going to do that? Because I'm not finding one positive thing about this situation. Not one. How are you, you going to take that and work that for my good? How, how do you take me as a parent and my failures and turn it for good. How do you do that? Well, we don't know. That's the mystery. All things work together for good? How does Joseph become second in charge of the kingdom? A guy who's never been to college, never studied anything, hasn't read one leadership book, 
And God's school is way different than man's school. Have you figured that out? And here's what I want to challenge you with today. Because here's what you and I would think. Here's how you and I would plan this out for Joseph. Well, you need to get your master's. You need to go to seminary. And I'm not opposed to education. Take one look around this campus and you'll figure out we are not opposed to education here. You need a master's degree in leadership so that you can work right alongside Pharaoh and fulfill God's dream. And God says, that's your curriculum, but my curriculum is different. Because my school for him is going to start with betrayal by the closest people in his life, which is his brothers. And then I'm going to put you in a job where you're going to be lied about. It's going to be said that you committed an immoral act. It's not even true. That's part of the curriculum. Then I'm going to stick you in jail, and people are going to just forget that you even exist for two years. And then you're going to be ready to be a leader. Let me tell you something this morning, and I pray this really helps you. Some of you think you have been angry with God over circumstances in your life, but I think God is possibly saying to you today, you're not angry with me, you're just angry with my curriculum. Because what you want to do is you want to read a leadership book and go to a seminar or two, and God goes, no, I'm going to teach you what you need to know through betrayal. I'm going to teach you what you need to know through heartache. I'm going to teach you to bring you to the place I need you to be through very difficult situations that you have decided God has nothing to do with. That's how I'm going to teach you. You want to go ahead and get an MBA, but God goes, I'm going to teach you through an entirely different process. And church, hear me, it's not that we're angry with God. We just don't like what he uses to prepare us for what he wants to do in our life. God begins to come in and work inside of us and where we need to be. But he can take the worst scenarios of our life to prepare us for the places that he wants to bring us. How does he do it? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I wish I could tell you the answer to that. I wish I could tell you how convict number 37928 becomes second in charge of all of Egypt. I don't know how he did that. See, we tend to view the kingdom of God as corporate America. And you just kind of move up the ladder. You can certainly see it in ministry. Some of you who've been involved in ministry, you know this is true. Find a pastor who pastors a church of 200 people, and then he gets a call to move, move to a church of 500 people, and... And then he gets, you know, the pastor church of a thousand and moves right on up. And it becomes corporate America in the church today. And God says, I don't work that way. That's not how I work. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me. Young, old, middle, wherever you are. Faithful in little, ruler over much. Faithful in little, ruler over much. He may put you in a redundant situation that doesn't seem to change at all. And you've long since decided God's got nothing to do with it. But then God out of nowhere, out of nowhere, can put you right where you need to be so that no man can ever say that they promoted you because David said promotion only comes from the Lord. And God goes, my curriculum for you looks like this. You're going to be faithful in redundancy. My curriculum right now for you is, you're going to be faithful when it seems boring. 
You're going to look at the same children, same wife, same house, same church, same choir, same job, and it's same, 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 same. And God is saying, listen, dear one, you stay faithful in that little thing, and then out of nowhere, watch what I can do. And church, in 2015, I just have a weird sense of anticipation. I think it's, imp- I think it's totally possible that out of nowhere, we're going to see the Lord show up and do the most unexpected things. Out of nowhere, doing what we do, going through your routine, taking care of your elderly parents, going to work, driving the same freeways, doing this, and out of nowhere, he shows up and he does the unexpected thing. Who's ready for it today? Who's ready for it today? I can't explain the thing with Joseph, how he gets a dream and then he's betrayed. I think it's worth you looking at. And then he's working in Potiphar's house and he's lied about and then he's doing great in prison. Now he's forgotten. It literally looks like a heart monitor. Up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Up. And God says, you've been faithful, so watch what I can do here. How does he do it? I don't know. Part of the mystery of God. That's when God shows up and uses a curriculum that we don't like. Corey Tenboom, I'm going to close in just a minute. Arthur, if you want to come. Corey Tenboom, many of you know the writer of The Hiding Place and her story. Corey Tenboom told a story that Betsy, her sister, who was a Christian way before Corey was, when they were in Ravensbrück, in the barracks of the concentration camp, they were extremely overcrowded and flea-infested. When they were reading the scriptures one morning, Corey wasn't even a Christian. But First Thessalonians reminded them to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and in every situation to give thanks. And Betsy told Corey told her sister to stop and thank the Lord for every detail. And Corey Ten Boom, the great, now the great godly woman, she flatly refused what her sister asked her to do. She said, I will not thank God for fleas. And months were spent in the camp. And just before the Allied forces came in, and they were surprised to find why, they could, why these ladies could hold Bible studies and why they weren't coming in, the others weren't taking, come and take them to the gas chambers when all the other ladies were being taken away to the gas chambers. And come to find out at the end of the war that the reason their little place, no one came and invaded it, was because none of the Nazi soldiers wanted to go into the flea-infested barracks. And God's school sometimes has fleas in it to keep you alive. God's school. You may not really be angry with God as you have supposed. You just don't like his curriculum. 
We've got to thank him anyway, church, whether it's fleas. I don't have a car. I don't have a job. Whatever it is, we surrender him and we say, God, you know what's best because your word tells me and I know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. There is the fine print of this verse. It puts everything into reality. All things don't work together for good for everybody. That's the fine print. You need to read it all. Not everybody can claim this because not everyone has the same master. But it says, and we know that God works all things together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's what changes everything here. God says, I'm doing this for the folks that love me. I'm doing it for those that are called. Because what I'm doing is what the next verse, verse 29, says. Because the reason I do all this, God says, is because of what he says in verse 29. I'm conforming them to my image. I think the overriding question for all of us is Christ being formed in you? Dan, is Christ being formed in you? Are you surrendering yourself so completely to his lordship that you can say Christ is being formed in you? The next verse, verse 29 of Romans 8 says, For whom he foreknew, first part of the verse says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What God is saying is that when it's all said and done, what I'm trying to make you is I'm trying to make you look more and more like Jesus through every situation and every trial. As I bring this to a close, I want to give you the same challenge I've given to myself. Reading through the Gospels again recently, early in the morning, just reading through Matthew. When you read Matthew, you see that there are, it, the Bible shows two storms, one in Matthew 8, one in Matthew 14. The Bible tells us of both of these storms that the disciples went through. In the first storm, they start getting animated and yelling and screaming in the middle of the boat while Jesus is sleeping. You know the story. They say, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care? Lord, save us. Lots of yelling and screaming going on. Jesus not only came and stopped the storm, but he also rebuked the disciples for not having faith. But in the second storm, it's, it's a little more interesting in Matthew 14. Matthew 14, the storm was going on. The Bible says that Jesus was walking along the water. How many remember that story? And instead of yelling and screaming this time, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, Bid me to come and walk on the water. And I don't know if this is true for anybody else in the house today. I I, I speak for myself. It is very easy for me to adopt a posture that says, God, what are you doing? What is going on here? Why is this happening to me? 
This is not the way I planned it. This is not what I had in mind. And I'm pretty sure it comes out as yelling and screaming at God. And I hear the Lord say to me, what am I doing? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to limit the screaming and teach you how to walk on the water, dear one. Because that looks a little bit more like Jesus than all the yelling and screaming and continually saying, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Why is this so bad? And what I think God may be saying to us for 2015 as a church, what I want from you this year is less yelling and screaming about your circumstances and more walking on the water because that looks a lot more like Jesus. I speak for myself. I want to learn to walk more. I speak for myself. I want to learn to trust more. I speak for myself. I want Christ to be formed in me. Is anybody with me today at all? That he's really working all things together for good. I don't want to be saying, Lord, do you not care that I'm perishing? Lord, where are you? Where are you? I want to stand with the assurance that we know, that we know, that we know you're working all things together for good. Would you stand with me, church, please? Before we dismiss this service, we're going to pray for the business people. But I want to add this one little, one little thing that I have referenced earlier in the service. I talk about my propensity to be animated and yell and scream about circumstances, and I know that I'm not the only one who faces that. You know what, church? Why don't we just, within the quiet of our own heart today, say, Lord, for 2015, let me wake up with the joy of living. Let me wake up every morning, not with that sense of heaviness, not with that sense of immediately the cares of the world and the, all of my problems right in front of my face. Let me wake up with the joy of living and let the first thing on my heart, Lord, you can do this. I can't, but you can. You can do this, Lord Jesus. Let the first thought that I have be, and I know, and I know that you're working all things together for good. Is that not a way anybody wants to live in the house today?